Hey everybody, you're listening to Big Things with Zach Miko. On today's episode, we sit down with model, actress, and host of Go90 and Vice's How to Behave, Barbie Ferreira. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the theme song. All right, welcome to Big Things with Zach Miko, everybody. I'm your host, as always, Zach Miko. How's everybody doing today? We got a great show for you coming up. Uh, my apologies if I sound a little under the weather. I am. I've been flying a lot of red eyes back and home, back and forth for work. Uh, for those of you who don't know what a red eye is, it's the worst flight of all time. It's when you fly overnight from the West Coast back to the east coast essentially erasing one day of your time through magical time travel kind of like in the princess bride where he sucks one hour of your life away this is like this is kind of what that's like it's terrible you fly overnight the day disappears due to the magic of time change and when you're as big as me you don't sleep on the plane so you just get sick so i'm just a little sick but everything's fine guys i got my i got my mucinex i got uh my my my, my theraflus and all that fun stuff and it's saint patrick's day the day i'm recording this so i'm gonna have some whiskey and everything's gonna be great we sit down with model and actress barbie ferreira barbie is amazing she broke through doing the airy reel campaign a couple years ago uh since then she's been so incredibly unapologetically herself she's a badass she has a show on vice called how to behave where she decides what it would just going through life figuring out how to move through society through different walks of life she goes through arranged dating she meets with uh sex counselors and uh she meets with an s&m mistress it's so much fun and everyone should go watch it it's a great show can't wait to talk to her before then we have a new segment on the show called Shit Zach's on Netflix. Yay. Or Hulu. But but this one I saw on Netflix. So, we all have Netflix. We all sit and we binge and we watch random stuff. And the other day I came across a show called The Push. The idea of this show is can, through social conditioning, we become convinced to murder somebody. And it's a full-on British reality show where it's about seven. There's one dude with 70 actors and Oscar-winning special effects artists and stunt coordinators who all go through an elaborate ruse to convince a man to push a living, breathing human being off of a building to kill him at the end. Now, mind you, obviously no one dies. This is a stunt professional. He's hooked up to a harness. Everything's fine. But the the contestant doesn't know that. The contestant also doesn't know they're a contestant. They don't know what's happening. And I can't decide if this show is a good thing or a bad thing. It's kind of horrible that they're convincing these people that the only way out of a situation is to kill a person. I'm not going to be a judge on who pushed and who didn't and whether it was the right thing or the wrong thing. I mean, no, I'll make that judgment. It was the wrong thing to do. It's pretty much always the wrong thing to push a person off the building. But what was so mind fucky about this episode is 
they convince you basically they go through a very elaborate scenario and at the end you get to a point where you're like either i spend the rest of my life in jail or i push this man off a building and it all goes away and i guess for some people that's uh too big of a choice to make um yeah it says a lot the whole thing is an experiment on social conditioning and that people can be made to do stuff and the whole show is based on social conditioning which is saying that through living in a society and doing certain things you will always do that because you've been conditioned to do so for example when you get on an elevator you walk in an elevator and you turn around and you face the door why There's no real reason to face the door. You do it because everyone else in that elevator does it. So you all go and you turn around and watch. They they started off the experiment by just having a a room full of people, and they had a couple of actors, and every time a bell rang, the actor would stand up, and every time a bell rang again, the actor would sit down. And they'd be sitting next to non-actors, and eventually the non-actors would start doing it. And eventually they'd take out the actors and introduce new people, and now all the non-actors are just sitting up and standing down because they've been socially conditioned to do so. I don't know if this show is a good idea to show that, you know, people might kill each other based on social conditioning, but I think it's an interesting thing to think about. How much of your life do you go through because you've been conditioned to do that, because you have to, because society dictates you to do it. It shows how it could be a good thing. You know, you're living in society, you're all playing by the same set of rules. But on top of that, you can be conditioned to do something that's just not right and just not okay simply because everyone else is doing it. It's kind of like that old adage that your mom used to say to you, like, oh, if everyone else jumps off a bridge, will you do it too? And everyone's like, yeah, probably, which is crazy because that's how you die. That's how you become a lemming. So I think it's a very interesting watch, and I think y'all should check it out and let me know what you think about this crazy social experiment going on in Britain, because of course it's British. Anyone who watches Netflix knows the British reality shows are way crazier than the American reality shows. To me, it's a matter of opinion, but I think they are. But anyway, write to me to see what you think about the show The Push. Uh, You can write to me on Instagram or Twitter, Z-A-C-H-M-I-K-O. You can write to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash bigthingspod. Big Things with Zach Miko, and you can email us directly, Zach at BigThingsPod.com and Josh at BigThingsPod.com, and go visit BigThingsPod.com. Let me know if you think you'd have pushed the guy off the building at the end, because I'll tell you, I don't know. I'm going to say I wouldn't have pushed the guy off the building. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't, but shit's crazy. Who knows? I I choose to believe for my own sense of morality and sanity that I did not push the man off the building. But anyway, watch the show. Let me know what you guys think. Speaking of social conditioning, Barbie Ferreira's show that is available now on Go90 called How to Behave shows what it's like to go through society and some of the conditions that you've been shaped to do. What's awesome about Barbie is she goes on the fringe and goes the opposite way with them, and I absolutely love it. We talk a lot about it. Um, I can't wait for you guys to listen. I'm sorry I've been dribbling onward, but without further ado... Let me sit down and talk to the amazing Barbie Ferrer. Hey, uh, Big Thingers is the name we just came up with for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I am sitting here with model, host, actress, activist, awesome person, Barbie Ferreira. Hey, Barbie. Hello there. Oh my God, I'm so excited. 
<laughs> I just like my dream come true being on a podcast. I'm, I I love talking, so I, lo- I love to be a part of the podcast world. <laughs> it makes my job immensely easier that you like to talk, so that's even better. So we're sitting here in Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn got busier than I remember it ever oh, being it in my we're life. Right next to the L train, which is probably the... It's like the Times Square of Brooklyn, I would say. Yeah, no, there, there's <laughs> way more. I mean, it's a weekday, so I was like... <laughs> <laughs> I you like came in. I'm like, don't people have work to do? Where is oh, absolutely everybody? not. There's a a line around the movie theater for Black Panther, right? Rightfully so, oh, around yeah. the block on a Friday morning, and I'm like, I want to join that line with my movie pass right totally. now. Totally. <laughs> no, I'm the. Ex- oh, you have movie pass? I sure do. All right, movie pass isn't paying us to plug, so we can't plug it. Yeah. No, I'm gonna plug it. It's awesome, <laughs> guys. It doesn't make sense. Everyone check it. Out it movie it's pass. it's ten dollars a month f- to just see movies. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. It's a matinee in my neighborhood costs 12 bucks so i make two dollars every time i see every time and it really is worth it i saw like five movies last month this movie this month not so many but it still works out somehow (laughs) i'm just like you know what i'm not even guilty about it fantastic movie pass i'm gonna send you an invoice Um, (laughs) so we found out off air that barbie you grew up right where i live basically very much so yeah i was born in spanish harlem awesome moved shortly to astoria um, shortly after to Astoria and lived there for most of my adolescence and then in my teens I moved to New Jersey which was great okay and then I moved right Dirty, back out where, where in Jersey um, I lived in Maywood New Jersey which is by Paramus and okay. Hackensack I know where Paramus and Hackensack are yeah I worked at Garden State Plaza awesome at American Apparel and um, yeah I was there at the Taco Bell getting Baja Blast for sure oh. <laughs> I actually went there the other day just for funsies and in I went to a Flying Tiger, which is now in the same the yeah. same retail space as where I used to work, and I was like, "This is fucking awesome! I love it." Yeah. Oh, I love Taco can Bell. Can I curse on this? I'm yeah. Sorry. No, you can curse oh your God. ass off. I have. I all you have to do is click a button that says explicit, and then you can it goes curse beep. all you want. I mean, no, it doesn't even say beep. You just you just hear all the all the good words. Hmm. So okay. So did you go to high school in New Jersey? Yes, I did. Were you a drama kid? <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> because. <laughs> Because I'm a drama kid, so I can kind of. You gotta tell. There's like a very certain essence. Um, I actually was more of a drama kid before high school. Okay. Um, when I was in Queens, I went to, I attended the Variety Boys and Girls Club of Queens, which is like, um, just a space where kids. I mean, my mom worked, my grandma worked, everyone. Not worked. like the Boys and Girls Club, like the 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 thing with the hands and the symbol. Like That's the, the exact one. Yeah. Oh, that one. Yeah, that one. Yeah. My buddy Blair used to run it. I love the word. You were club. you weren't there at the time. I probably was not there. I was, <laughs> and it that's where I I walked. I was such a sensitive kid. Like I was, I don't know how to like express how sensitive I was. I just like literally, if my shoes were untied, I would just cry. I don't know why. I'd just be so embarrassed. I'd be like, Aww. wow, how dare I? So, and it's very different than I who I am now. So I was like, I walked into the the like the auditorium area, like stage area, and there was a sweet lady, Miss Liana, who was like twenty two at the time, volunteering, and she had this like very elaborate theater program uh-huh. where we would all just make the set ourselves and do pretty mature things let me tell you there was chicago we did and i was like 10 years old oh. we did a moulin rouge like kind of <laughs> it was very interesting it was great no it was it's it's always <laughs> amazes me like coming from also being a drama kid yeah. some of the plays we were allowed to do <laughs> as like children like, <laughs> like they were real rough i was in um a very white production of miss saigon which <laughs> I remember in my elementary school, I was Martin Luther King Jr.'s mom in a play. And (laughs) (laughs) I like remember (laughs) like that like a few weeks ago, actually. I was like, I remember that. 
And I was like, that's very interesting. Um, not that my school was predominantly white at all. So it was just like, you know, they were just, we just had like a little they production. They just picked you. You, you were, just picked me. I just you're just matronly. <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. So do you, do you were there any big roles in your adolescent <laughs> drama career that stick out to you besides Martin Luther King's mother? <laughs> um, I, you know, I never, the thing about when I lived in Queens and then I moved to Jersey was that Queens was very much like plays and yeah. not so musical like. Mm-hmm. So when I moved to when I moved to Jersey and I went to high school, I started doing sports, which <laughs> if anyone knows me, that's a hilarious joke. Yeah. Hilarious. Oh, I, I did the same thing. Yeah. And because it was so about the musical, like people were singing, they could sing their hearts out. They hit those notes. I'm tone deaf, I mean, except for when I have my fake band called Sad with my friend Sid, who's in the other room. <laughs> we, but that, that's just me like wailing. But but I was not very good at singing, so I kind of shied away from theater for yeah. like a couple of years. I played field hockey. I ran indoor and outdoor track. I don't know why I did it. I hated every single minute. Why did of you it. do track? Because it was. The, the, I'm not competitive. Everyone always tried to get <laughs> me to do track, and I was like, at least in the other sports. I've, and no offense to any track runners out there, but from a non-athlete person, I was like, all right, they're at least playing a game. I understand. That's the track. I hate I'm it. just running. <laughs> like, I hate the game. Like, I know. There's something <laughs> about the game that if there's no pressure, it's just me on my team, and I'm the last person in this 800 meter race. I am fine with that. But if yeah. there's other people who are counting on me, I just freeze, you know? Oh, my God. And field hockey was the same way. I was the bench warmer. Our team didn't win a single game the entire season. We were the worst in the entire state, oh, country, good. probably. Well, I mean, it's because also field hockey is kind of like a very private school kind of yeah. thing. and It's like it's on like the same level as like polo. Yeah, and like, <laughs> like lacrosse. Like I, for yeah. me, like it's very – but because – no one in my my high school was very much like a city school and no yeah. one played field hockey before. So we all just learned freshman year and we were just like playing, which was kind of cute and heartwarming. Aw, <laughs> well, that's very good. <laughs> so at what point did so I grew up being on the larger side, on the very larger side. I don't know what Same. I'm talking about. So I can imagine we had very similar struggles. But I mean, middle school for me was the worst thing in the world. Um, I can agree with that. Yeah, it's usually the most. <laughs> it's usually the worst. Why thing is middle school so bad? Because everyone's just full of hormones. Traumatizing. And doesn't know what's happening to their bodies, so they I freak didn't. out and they look at <laughs> other kids' bodies, and they're like, "You're weird because you look like this." Yeah. And I don't. It's it's the worst. But it's kind of like something. It's like a rite of passage as a human being. We all just have to suffer through the yeah. really and the lifelong effects. Shitty thing. And yeah, <laughs> of no middle school. <laughs> exactly. We're all stuck with those scars forever. But at one point, it had to turn around. So you always wanted to was was acting and modeling always your your goal in the world. Acting definitely, modeling never. Yes, I mean never. But at the same time, with acting came hand in hand. I thought that that. I needed in order to act to lose most of my body weight. Oh, like yeah. I was like th- this. That was really what like motivated me. Like I was and mm-hmm. I, I and I was 15. I lost like 30 pounds like because I was thinking about that. I was like, mm-hmm. this is what I want to do, and it still wasn't enough. That's the thing. It's it's never enough, and my body size will never be enough. So I might as well be myself. And yeah. it, it worked. It's just so weird how it worked out. Did you <laughs> did you look back at pictures of yourself when you had lost 30 pounds? Because I know I did this. Whereas in like high school, when I was very weight focused and popping hydroxy cuts and like not eating, I was the skinniest I ever was. But I was convinced I was still the biggest person in the world. That's you, the thing that did, you have to learn is yeah. that 
I yes, one hundred. When I first started modeling, that was right after it. So like at sixteen, I modeled for American Apparel, and yeah. um, it's unedited and unretouched and all that good stuff. And I was significantly smaller than I am now. And I saw the pictures and couldn't leave the house for two weeks. You know, like I, I and the 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 negative reaction I got from me being that thin and still. It, it, the the yeah. reaction I got from those pictures are worse than the pictures now where I am a lot heavier. Yeah. And to me, I was like, what? You? And when I started working in American Apparel, I also never wore like high-waisted jeans because I hated my like hips uh-huh. and like all this stuff. And in a way, the first photo shoot that came out of that was like scarred for life for and I like didn't leave the house and I was just like, oh my God, like all these people are so mean to me. There's like 10,000 notes on Tumblr calling uh, me all these notes? things. Uh, bad notes. Bad notes. And, um, and in a way that it was what really like sparked my love for my body. Yeah. My love for my body literally came after that because I was like, my mom was like, you can't do it again if this is what's going to happen every time. And I was like, she's right. You know? So I, I think that happens for everyone who kind of is a bigger model and models for the first time. Cause I know I had the exact same feeling where I didn't think when I should have been celebrating and I've been like, Oh my God, I'm on targets website and I'm going to be in their stores and it's the coolest thing. But I saw those first couple photos and I was like, this will never happen again. Never. Everyone's going to no be matter how much money, no matter how much like success, nothing. I was like, it's everyone's going to be so like, oh! disgusted by me. Target's going to be like, we made a horrific mistake. We made a horrific mistake. Here. But, but we don't. I think a lot of that is the fact that we, judge ourselves harder than everyone else (laughs) now don't get us wrong you and i can both go down our uh, internet histories and find out that other people judge us real hard we don't have to (laughs) (laughs) we really don't don't and i think for me that was a big realization i was just like man everyone else is being mean maybe i should give myself a break (laughs) yeah it's one of those things where it's like you have to choose if you're gonna treat yourself this way or not and also it's letting things go i mean the amount of (laughs) the amount of pictures and content that are on the internet that i absolutely dread yeah is more than the pictures i like yeah or the videos i like but at the same time i've learned this thing where i let go i just let go of things that are out of my control there's videos that have gotten a million views on the internet that i hate and the the ones that i know everyone watches and i'm like i let it go you know it's like one of those things i let it go i don't like the way i look at it and also knowing that the way you look in certain things is not the big message you know yeah. i always like oh my god but my, th- my my double chin's coming out and oh my god like my arms look so big and i'm like at the end of the day who the fuck cares exactly you know no one really actually cares Th- they're gonna think you're you're bigger regardless if you look like that or even smaller oh it's, it's drilled into our heads <laughs> from when we're tiny tiny children like that oh if you are bigger you are that's a horrible thing you Terrible. are so bad i said that in a in another episode i was talking about how i'm like for some reason when i was five years old i didn't know anything i didn't know what the capital was i didn't know what was going on i didn't know who our president was but i knew that big and fat equaled ugly no one taught me that i don't think and no one ever sat down and be like well zach just so you know skinny good fat bad but I knew it. I knew it as much as I knew the sky was blue. And I don't yeah. know where in my childhood that got like incepted into my head. It's subconscious. Yeah. It's the ads we see everywhere. It's the yeah. TV we consume. It's the movies. And as a kid, I was weirdly aware of how no one represented my body size. Like yeah. I was I would go to movies and and just stare and be like, I wish I could do this. But like in the back of my head, I'm like, but I look like this. You know, it's one of those things where it's like I will always have these big hips. Yeah. I will. 
And it's one of those things where you, it's subconscious. In magazines, I remember people, mag, like, not, not, not to name names, but like tabloids and stuff, they, it would be like, oh my God, someone gained weight. Someone oh, did know. this. And I remember seeing Tyra Banks gaining weight. And, and like, I just remember this so vividly. And I was like in the I grocery store. I love Tyra. In the grocery store. And it was just like, Tyra Banks gained 62 pounds. And it's like a terrible, unflattering paparazzi picture of her. Tyra's the best. Tyra has this whole thing where she was talking about how um, she had gained weight and her butt had gotten bigger. And people didn't want to use her anymore. And she was crying about it. And her mom sat had her down and be like, all right. Instead of doing this, let's write down every single brand and every single designer that we know will use someone with a bigger butt and go on from that. And they did. And they just it's uh, that's such such a good. Oh, my God. That is such good advice because you can be chasing down, barking up the wrong tree for years and you don't realize that you it doesn't you it's people it's people saying yes or no. And when people are saying yes or no. It's usually older people in charge. It's usually people with uh, traditional views of like beauty and stuff. And yeah. you have to realize that. Like I fully realize that. Like when I when I go to audition for something that's a little bit more mainstream, I'm aware that it's probably not going to happen unless it says, you know, 30 pounds overweight. Yeah. And I'm OK with that because I know what it is. But I still have I know the outlets that would let me be myself. Totally. Exactly. I, I did the same thing when I first started modeling. I was chasing down these big designers that. I would like had They'll come liked around. my whole life and no and they will and that's <laughs> and that's kind job. of the feeling I came to I'm like I don't after a while I'm like it's not my job to chase you down I want you to come to me when you realize what I can do for you and what this community this body positive plus community can do for you because right now there's money just sitting on a table out there for big and plus tall guys and for plus size billions yeah. of dollars they are thriving at yeah. a rate that people just refuse to accept refuse all the other stores are closing brick and mortar left and yep. right and uh plus size and big and tall are opening new stores every day. everywhere because <laughs> most people do not fit in retail sizes exactly and if you live in new york you definitely don't fit in those sizes oh i know i mean even just this fashion week i was just trying to get a, a blouse you know and i'm and it's like there's nothing over a size six and it's hard. It's it's it, it makes me physically angry when yeah. I'm like going to all these stores and I'm like, I finally have worked hard enough to have money. I have a place to be to have an uh, to have an excuse yeah. to buy I'm going this to this big event where <laughs> I'm going to be <laughs> photographed. And, yeah. and I still can't get the clothing that I, yeah. you know, it's like you it almost loses. You lose kind of like that, that, you know, innocence that you get when you're like, oh, my God, I can't wait to like do big things. And like people are going to accept and me for who I am. That's the name of the show. right but it's like at the same time it's like with the internet and everything we have the power totally we are the ones with the with the with the with the free advertise not free but you know (laughs) we have followers so we can advertise ourselves we can go straight to the people who already love us Mm -hmm. it's the I, i mean we talk about like disrupting industries especially advertising i can go straight to my people online exactly. through myself and i don't gotta pay anyone to do it Nobody. i can just reach out to them and go hey guys i'd really like you to do this thing like you know subscribe and leave a rating everybody <laughs> um uh, so when did you so so american apparel was your first ad did you get that through working there no um american apparel was a very strange company and um they they <laughs> and there they my first shoot with them they asked me if i wanted to work in the store because the pay for the shoot is wait i'm going to disclose this like 
like as much as like a meal in New York. So you know? wait, wait, wait. So you shot for them and then they asked if you wanted to work yes. retail. It was absolutely not a professional modeling gig oh in God. any sense of the word. It was like, you know, a couple of dudes that I knew. Um, shout outs to Erez and Mateo. They're still amazing. Yeah. You know, they, and it would just be and it would be in the basement of a store and it'd be a studio made there. And I could just dom myself. I would. And it, in a way, it was very liberating because I didn't have to wear makeup. I mean, if I yeah. wore makeup, they'd be like, take that off. You know. <laughs> They wanted it. Well, yeah. that's why I mean, I mean, that's why I always liked American Apparel's ads because they were so raw and real and like mm-hmm. untouched and ready to go. Um, lends a new perspective that you were just in the basement of the store yeah. whipping those out. It so. sounds creepy because of the connotation of American Apparel, but let me just disclose this: I've never had any kind of weird experience with their. I've Good. Never met. Um, I never met Dove. I never did anything. Of, I never like. It was it was weird because I heard it around me, but I was also very young. I was sixteen, so yeah. they were very cautious of it. They were like, so they were just yeah. They I were couldn't being I safe. couldn't model bathing suits. You know, they would have to ask my mom. Really? Oh, yeah, because they need to get parental. Yeah. Even if it was under shorts, <laughs> like, and my mom was like Brazilian as hell. She's like, sure, like put her in a string bikini. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> like she doesn't care. <laughs> oh my god! So how how long after that? So you started modeling, and you you then got all these Tumblr notes of being out there. <laughs> modeling how long before that before like Aryan american eagle started coming at you well it was so i was 16 i started america i started shooting for american apparel and mm-hmm. then at 17 18 i met Petra collins because she was um doing a collaboration with american apparel they had these t-shirts that yeah. were very cute and she, i went to one of her shows and she asked me to shoot with her and then that's when i started shooting for things other than american apparel so she would shoot me for like id or wonderland yeah, yeah. um purple stuff like that and her perspective on it's weird because i started modeling like without any makeup and just also wearing like you know a mew mew jacket sometimes exactly. and i never had that per- i never had that rage that i have now where it's like <laughs> it's like you know it's not a female photographer who understands it's like oh yeah you know it's i started in such a safe place um i feel like i started like you know with women and people close to my age and girls with like bigger a bigger vision for the fashion yeah. industry so I was very protected. And then I got signed when I was 18 mm-hmm. to Wilhelmina and I started working and it was great. I mean, there w- I feel like when I started traveling more was when I became a little bit more aware of just how different I am because I, yeah. stopped, I stopped doing like not stop, but I did as as well as doing like the New York like fashion art stuff which they're pretty open-minded in a way um if you're working with young people and like young publications and they really do care and then going to commercial clients overseas who have different views and all this stuff and i started realizing all these like microaggressions and realizing that those really affected me oh yeah oh yeah so it's been fun because last year i kind of was like what am i gonna do now that you know i've been in this industry for like at the time four years now five years i'm like i want to you know, I've always had more to offer than just the way I look. Yeah. So I started doing other things, which is fun. I know. And you're doing a lot of other things. <laughs> yeah, and a little bit too many things. And, and we going to get to that. Um, so right after you did the Airy campaign, that was big. You had your first, maybe not your first because you did it for American Apparel, but that was a big old like viral yeah. situation mm-hmm. that you went through. I know that, that your little 30 second Airy video <laughs> has like two and a half million yeah. views and like you're interviewed for everyone at the time so what was it like having normal people reach out to you after that did you get a lot of um (laughs) supporters like hey thanks i know you got hate and we'll talk about that too because it's 
it's the internet's a wonderful place and also a horribly shitty they both have to exist in the same place yeah it has to be the negativity for the positivity it wouldn't exist it wouldn't be a free space for people to communicate it has to be there was a negativity exactly it has to be (laughs) that yin and yang to keep going yeah did you start to have a lot of uh girls and boys reach out to you after that yeah i feel like after that i started achieving more of like that mainstream kind of um platform yeah i think after that definitely i was very much like in my own like little new york kid bubble and then i kind of reached it reached a bigger thing and it was fun i don't no one expected it no one expected it and it was was just from me posting a link it wasn't even like from it being like on tv or anything this is from me posting a link on my twitter it's it's (laughs) crazy how things can slowly snake their way out yeah it was amazing i mean people were just it i I've always been kind. I'm an only child, so I love attention. So I love when it's even if it's kind of like it, it, it made me feel good that although I was getting a lot of hate, yeah, people were uh, uh, paying attention to a different body type in a strength bikini, which was dope. And exactly. like, if I had seen that and it wasn't me, I'd be like, this lady is pretty cool. And like, I, <laughs> obviously, when it came out, I was like freaking out because I still have that, you know, fat kid mentality. Oh, I, <laughs> I was like, it took me like a week to like actually watch the video. It'll never. <laughs> That, this, <laughs> the fat kid mentality will never go away because I thought it will. And I'm like, I've gotten to the point where I'm much prouder of my body. I'm confident and proud of who I it's am. Still there, isn't if it? you can just, t- someone can say something a little offhand and I'll just be like, oh, oh. It ruins your day. Uh, and it's a lifelong thing to like, it's, it's cool to be sensitive to, um, I feel like it's cool to be sensitive, and with that, it comes it comes like the sensitivity to tone and like energy shifts. Well, it's it's more <laughs> vulnerable than sensitive. Yeah, because it, it's cool because you can connect to people in a different way. Totally, totally, and being vulnerable is some of the most is some of the strongest thing you can do because it takes it's really easy to shut yourself off. It's painful, but it's really easy to shut yourself off. But to actually like put yourself out there and go, "Hey, this is the way I'm feeling about this," and you're giving an opportunity to other kids around the world to just be like, oh, hey, I feel that way too. And thanks for saying that because <laughs> I really thought I was the only one. Yeah. It's always that feeling of being alone in this like weird space where you're like, oh, like I'm the only one going through this, but it's not true. It's like so many, it's so many different things that people are dealing with and everyone feels like an outsider. And it's just like, yeah. it's cool to be vulnerable, I think. And I feel like I struggle with that on the internet because I'm like, oh my God, am I spilling the tea too much? <laughs> no, you, you spilled the tea just, just quite the enough, right amount. Yeah. You went, uh, you had a, a photo specifically where you were talking about your stretch marks because a stylist thought you had been scratched <laughs> or like mauled yeah. by a tiger mauled or by whatever that. She was, like, oh! <laughs> she was like, what is that? I've had a very similar situation. <laughs> I had one person who's like, did you like try to hop a chain link fence? And I was like, <gasps> no, I just... <laughs> I just am, am this person. And I then guess. as a model, you kind of have this thing where you're like, am I being too sensitive? I know. But then you're like, wait, if someone said that to like in any other, in, we're just so what used if to I had? What if I had a disfiguring <laughs> scar? Why are you bringing that up? Exactly. And it's weird because we're in this, we're like in this industry where like you're, it's not, you cannot be sensitive to your looks, yeah. especially when people are talking in your face about your body as if you're not there. And it's so so used we're so used to it that like and you have to be and when something stings you're like is this you do <laughs> you have to keep this weird connection between 
not being self-conscious at all because people are tucking your pants in for you and adjusting your junk and making sure everything is <laughs> in the right place. Yeah. And then at the same time, you're you're trying to be in tune with your body and true to yourself. So that second you feel, I think as models, we place so much trust into the people we're shooting with that they're going to be professional and everything is going to be fine. And yeah. you're not going to made to be feel weird that that second that little line is crossed, you're like, oh, no. And it's just like a complete shift of like, oh, yeah. this sucks. <laughs> it does. And it makes the rest of the shoot just awful yeah and i think people and most of the time when that happens i feel like people don't intend for it to happen no and they don't and it's it's like okay but don't say that to people (laughs) we've been going through this whole thing in society where we're kind of going through a re-education of what's okay and what's not okay and some people freak out and they're like oh political correctness is getting too far people need to toughen up blah 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 and i'm more like no people are telling you hey you've been doing this thing that's hurt for a long time and instead of saying, oh, man, I'm sorry, I won't say that because it has no effect on my life, whether I say it or not. They're like, ah, oh, you got to man up. PC, ah, oh, PC culture's ruining it, you stupid millennials. And it's just like, why? All we're asking is, hey, can you be less shitty to people? Can you just be, like, not a terrible person? I think it was, it was so, like, ironic and cool to be shitty to people. And, like, look what happened. Oh, we have no. the biggest bully in office because it was always okay to not be PC. Yeah. So there, these things do matter. The conversations we have do matter. The yeah. stereotype that we subconsciously make about people do matter. And I think people are just starting to realize that. it's People live in this fantasy world where they think everything is just okay. And it's, yeah. it's not for most people. Like reality check, it's, it's not okay for most people right now. No. Immigrants, anybody, people of color, it's not okay. It's living in constant fear. And... You perpetuating these conversations will only yeah. stir the stir the whole stir society in the wrong way. It's exactly, like, and it's just like it's a terrible sh- shitty time right now for everyone, most people, unless you're privileged enough to not have that. Yeah, and people don't get it. They just like don't. It doesn't hit them in the reality. You know, it's yeah. it's not it's not. And a, for some reason, there's this like this thing where if it used to be people. Actually, it never happened. But the the dream is that people have different thoughts and different views and different ideals and they coexist as one group and everything's Mm. fine. Where now people think that if you and I thought a different way, not acted, just just had different thoughts and different opinions on something. All of a sudden now we're so tribal that you and I are enemies for some weird reason. Of the, because we have different ideas on tax code, which yeah. is just nuts that that's what we're fighting about. And I think, but you know what? To, as like, I'm I'm not as political as I should be, and I'm but I'm very aware of what's happening. And I this think this is already our most political episode I know. ever. Pol- politics, guys. <laughs> yeah, wasn't meant to go in this direction, but, <laughs> but I know. But I think politics is something that affects yeah. everyone. And as someone who it's directly affected my family, it's directly affecting like everything around me. It's like. The reason people are so scared of conservative, like people who actually live this, you know, this nightmare of not knowing what's going to happen. It's like we are we are defensive against people who might be conservative because they are defending these actions in the name of money or whatever. And to us, it's like, dude, my my aunt might get deported at any moment, even though she's been here for 30 years. Like, you know, what I'm saying like it's like it's deeper than just. That's why there's a fear, and I think the fear of, of like conservative people is that you know, people are gonna, I don't know, take over the country or something. Well, everyone wants to maintain their way of life because people, as human beings, we're very traditional. And power play. I grew up. I personally was very conservative growing up. I 
voted for George Bush in our fake like middle school election. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I was very conservative and I would get in arguments with people about it. Yeah. But it was because, um, you know, my some of my family was conservative and they were preaching it to me. So I believed it. And I'm not saying that some of their points were invalid because this was I feel like. Back then, there were still arguments to be made. There was like actual things to be talked about, and not just like should we, should we just completely uh, leave these people to exactly. So back (laughs) then, having people talk to me about smaller government and less regulations, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So I was like diehard about it, and then, but I'm not gonna say I didn't have some bad thoughts about liberals and stuff. And then I moved to a city where I had to coexist in a society with other people. (laughs) These things happen because. As a kid, I come from a, a very immigrant family. Like my yeah. mom, my grandma, everyone's an immigrant. And even as a kid, when I moved to Jersey for like a short period of time, I was against immigration. And I was like yeah. very young. And I, it's because of my surroundings. I, I completely left this like, I went, I didn't speak English when I went to school. So I went to like an ESL program basically mm-hmm. in my public school in Queens. And then I moved to this very um, white bread neighborhood. And I wanted to fit in so bad that I was like, immigration you know why should people be immigrating i'm um, forgetting that my entire family immigrated yeah. here that wouldn't even be here if it was for immigration that's the same thing my entire family's irish they all immigrated here like <laughs> yeah. two generations ago it's just about the, it's about like who we're surrounding ourselves yeah. with and i think the internet is helping a lot but it's also making it very easy to spread lies and i think yeah. I mean, how many times have I like retweeted like these girls are missing, and then it's like these girls are not missing; these are random people. Like, I know, <laughs> and I you're know. like, what do I believe? That's the thing. I think people just need to read into things. They need to research. It. And I'm not, I'm not perfect. Like I feel like I'm, you know, I'm not. Well, perfect. I mean, no one's perfect, and and I think, but one thing that I really appreciate about you is you're making huge steps to educate yourself you have a show on go 90 or okay so how i i don't know how go 90 works your show's on go 90 but it's made by vice in association with broadly what's that so um (laughs) vice the production company and broadly is like kind of the 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 lgbtq plus community and women um centered content yeah so vice produced it um in collaboration with verizon um, yeah so I, knew, I knew Verizon was owned Go90. Oh, yeah. They helped us a little bit. <laughs> they helped out. <laughs> they helped out for sure. Um, but it was produced by Vice. So everything was... It's just it's basically a Vice show that is um, in partnership with Verizon. So it's like they're yeah. streaming there. So it's streaming on that. So so the name of the show... How did you guys come up with the idea of calling it How to Behave? Well, you know what's funny is that... Um, so last year, I kind of have like a little... As, as most models do, there's like a little lull in the beginning of the year... And yep. right after Christmas, and that I'm one of these people that if I don't work for a week, which is right now, <laughs> you go crazy. So yeah. I was like, I need to like, I need to do something, you know. And mm-hmm. I really wanted to have a vice show. I just felt like it was such a good fit. I mean, me, I love weed, I love talking shit, and I'm very <laughs> willing to be. And I, I feel like I'm, I, I'm, I had to learn how to interview people. But at the time, I was like, yeah, I can interview people. I can do that. <laughs> and um, so I went to my um, my new acting agent, Jesse from oh. Aperture. And she set up a meeting and they had this show. Already. They had this like the very vague basis of an etiquette show, how to yeah. behave. And of course, when you do a show like that, you really do need like you need to know the host before you make the show, really. So yeah. I went in for a meeting, which I know is not typical advice. You don't usually go like, I have a show idea and you get a meeting. Like I, I, know, I was exactly. very privileged in that way <laughs> to do that. But in their uh, sweet, sweet Williamsburg offices. <laughs> yeah, like a very coincidence. Gardens. 
Well, it was just complete coincidence because they were already thinking, of, uh, uh, allegedly, they were already thinking about me to host that show. They were already kind of interested. And I you. just, yeah, it was just a good timing. And yeah. um, but they just had like this like very vague basis of how to behave etiquette show. And then I worked with my producer, Renee and Jamie and, of course, Bill and my DP. Yeah, Billy yeah. Jr. <laughs> the, we, we frequently made fun of him because he was very often the only um, man in the crew. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, so you started that. Um, what, when, when did the first thing come out? A couple months back. Like five months ago, actually. Yeah. It's, like, I, you know how I know that? It's because I've missed it so much that I like was on the Go90 page today. I just like was checking it out. <laughs> I was on the Go90 page the last two days. <laughs> if you guys, uh, I highly recommend everyone go and binge the first season of How to Behave. Yeah, it's, it's short episode. It's nothing crazy. Yeah, I, I did it in a day. It was awesome. <laughs> um, so when your your first episode came out, you got set up on a blind date. Anything ever happen with good old... Blind datey. Oh no, <laughs> oh. <laughs> nothing really happened. I actually shortly started, uh, shortly after started dating someone. Yeah. So it was really funny because um, it was like the first couple episodes was just me like being like single and sad, and then I found someone, and then I had to do like another video about dating apps, and I was like, oh my god, I haven't been on it in a while, aka six months. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's been a while. I don't know. <laughs> I know. It's been a while. <laughs> Oh, I feel, it's hard I feel being like single in New York. I know, but I always, <laughs> also that blind date did not go well. I I feel like I did it. It looked well on camera. It I looked. Don't think so. I don't know. I was like, I'm rude. <laughs> I'm impolite. <laughs> he seemed nice, especially when we were trying to drag out of him. You're like, what's a deal breaker? And he was like, he seemed really into you. And he's like, nothing's a deal breaker. And you just kept throwing <laughs> things at him. Yep. And then finally, he's like, fine. If you were on heroin, I guess that would be bad. <laughs> Hashtag journalism. Oh. Uh, it was <laughs> that was probably one of the worst experiences. It was like 105 degrees, and I'm a sweater, so I was just oh, me too. I'm a sweater in this in this weather, which is like 60 degrees right now. Exactly. So I was just like, this is the worst experience. I'm like literally sweating up a storm. Yeah. In 100 degree weather with a random man that I've never met a blind date. Oh, poor fella. I know, poor thing. I mean, he's never reached out, so. <laughs> oh, even afterwards? No. They just happened and that was it. So why would you go to a, like, so in the show, you guys, in that episode, you guys are um, exploring dating. What made you think to, instead of doing the online dating thing, to have it, like, isn't matchmaking a very old-fashioned, I remember that used to be that weird millionaire matchmaker show yes. that I used to watch with my mom. But besides that, I didn't know matchmaking was still a person-to-person thing. Yeah, I think um, dating apps are not very good. And yeah, I think that there's this, like, there's this interest for people to find like their significant other in like a very quick fashion, you know? Yeah. I think there is definitely a market for matchmaking. Amy's like so cool too. Like the matchmaker. Uh, She's, she has like this bright orange Bob. She's like very specific taste, very cute. Like totally. She's so cute. And it's like the people who go to her are like pretty cool as well. And they're, very rich. <laughs> of course. Well, I haven't actually used any any of Amy's services. <laughs> they're, they're, in, they're in Brooklyn. She's a very expensive person. Oh my god, she's well, expensive. Am- it's well, again, my only other Worth experience it. with matchmakers was the show Millionaire Matchmaker. Yep. So I assume it's a pricier situation. I feel like yeah, rich people just don't have the time to date. <laughs> uh, do your friends ever ask you to set people up, each other up? 
I, I, I feel like that happens to me all the time now that I'm like in fashion. People are oh, just yeah, like, like hey, will you set me up with one? And I was like, absolutely not. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not doing this. I work with these people. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to continue working with these people. I would people. like to continue working. Um, people do not ask me for any. First of all, I mean, yeah, I, like my, I know a lot of like hot boys that are like, you know, yeah. like, I feel like. I feel like most of my friends are gay men, so like I can like I, I feel like n- not most of the time have I match made, but I'm usually like this guy seems your type, and then yeah. I'll like forward them. <laughs> I avoided the email. <laughs> I avoided it every single. Yeah, it cost. sounds messy, and like uh, people it have match made for me, and it's been messy. I'm like the worst person to date. I don't know why people would ever match make me. I know. I'm a mess. So. Oh, you're not. <laughs> I'm a lot. <laughs> it's good to be a lot. Mm-hmm. So, what would you say in 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 the ten episodes where you're going all over the place doing crazy things? Well, who was your one of your besides Amy matchmaker? Who was your favorite guest you had? Um, and I'm hoping you say the finance dominatrix. No. I'm, oh, I loved Ooh, her. She's great. No, no, definitely, definitely. Miss Thick. Miss Thick. Mistress Thick is actually the only person I, like that. Like, Actually, not the only person. She was like the, the person that I look up to the most out of the entire show. She was awesome. Something about her just a fearlessness. And she has she has this amazing just outlook on life. And she's great. I mean, I love her. And I still I follow her on Instagram. And I follow Mistress um, Mistress Unknown on Instagram, which is her best friend. Yeah. And they are so funny and amazing. They are so amazing. I can't even tell you or describe to you the, the stories they put up because it's private accounts. Yeah. I've seen some crazy things on their Instagram and I live for it on their Twitter even even better oh my god that's they're so great I love a dominatrix they're so so okay so besides Miss Thick, it was there a a particular episode that you found particularly that changed your ideals on stuff and how the world goes a couple I feel like I learned so much through you know that sounds so corny but like I've never had the opportunity to kind of just do that so yeah. I learned so much from everyone but Bacheva, who is a sex therapist, and she's an extremely religious woman. Yeah. And at the same time, like showing people uh, how to use anal beads. And I'm just like, this woman is fantastic. This is literally like what a, like this is like the, I, this is like the complexity of a woman. Like, yeah. you know, this woman has so many sides to her. She's extremely, extremely educated on everything. She's so cool. She's well spoken. She has like a great family life. She's just so amazing. Like, she really is like kind of showed me that, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to uh, you have to care about what people think especially like in her community she's an orthodox jewish woman and she literally teaches people how to overcome their like vaginal issues and has like a dildo closet that's awesome all right you see the closet in the episode you sure do and (laughs) my favorite part there wasn't the shot of me walking out of the office with three dildos well she also kind of like was (laughs) shopping you to the where she was i remember she's like showing you some and she's like this one's fine to play around with but if you're having issues she's she knows exactly what's going on (laughs) and i I, she gifted me quite a few things it was great (laughs) she gifted my mom a thing she gave my mom um she gave me a, a sensual sensuality cookbook and i gave it to my mom what kind of recipes are in that? I don't know. I was like, I don't want to read it. <laughs> is it all just like oysters and chocolate covered strawberries? Probably. Or is that too old fashioned? That's I'm hoping right. there's something in the book that like none of us don't know where they're just like, hey guys, Brussels sprouts, get you going. Get you going. <laughs> but, and also she has these like books, like these children's books for like all ages about sex. And they're yeah. so amazing because her thing is when the the right time to talk about sex is when your kid asks because totally as soon as you start instilling the shame and this like secretiveness and this like you can't come to me it affects them for their whole life yeah so um how, yeah. how old were you when you had your first sex talk 
um i actually talked about it my in the show with my mom and we never had a sex talk because i was very um shy with that kind of stuff my mom would yeah. try my mom is very open she's yeah, very yeah. she's very young and open and stuff she would try and i would just be like no 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 i don't want to hear about it but i was very much on the internet so i learned about sex in different ways <laughs> oh no i no, good, through good old-fashioned internet <laughs> my mom gave me the sex talk Every year from eleven to eighteen. That is so brutal. I'm Before, so sorry. Before it, it, hey, I knew what I what needed to happen. Um, but Did it, was, it change every year. Not really. She was very <laughs> straight. She just wanted to checking in. She wanted to make sure I wasn't getting STDs. That if I was doing it, I was using protection. That I wasn't getting anyone pregnant, yep. and that I wasn't hurting anybody. Yep. And like, and I appreciate it was so awkward at eleven. But I'll be honest, by the time like the 17, 18 year old talk came, it was like, Ma, I know. Come Mom, we on. get it. We exactly. get it. Sex. We get it. Please stop. <laughs> but I appreciate her doing that because I I mean, I grew up with hang ups about sex for different reasons, but that was from an insecure self deprecating reason. Yeah, 100% not because too. like I didn't know yeah. what it was or what was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Sex is fun. Um Shout out Bosheva. <laughs> Shouts out to Bosheva. Good job, Bosheva. <laughs> So in an interview, you referred to your uh, How to Behave show as feminist propaganda, which is awesome. <laughs> and I love that. And I love that. And I've seen it used at like a couple places where they were trying to like use it as a negative term, <laughs> <laughs> of which to me is hilarious. I, I mean, my show could definitely be taken in a negative connotation if you have a different worldview. <laughs> no, exactly. if, you're, if you're Amish or something, <laughs> you're probably like, like, really, if you really don't like women doing things, not a show for you. <laughs> exactly. Oh, but but what what made you refer to it in that way? Um, I think that just inherently I'm very much an intersectional feminist in every way, shape, and form. I grew up with, you know, a multitude of different women, different backgrounds, mostly Brazilian, but even in Brazil, it's so diverse there. Like, I mean, my aunt's gay, like... I grew up with a lot of Brazilian lesbians and like I never I never <laughs> you said that in the show yeah you're like I, I grew up with my mom and a hundred Brazilian lesbians but it's so I true like I grew up like literally being topless at like the gay pride parade at yeah. like four years old in the West Village because where my aunt lived so I've always been so in love with women and I've only ever really been raised by women like I don't yeah. I didn't I have a stepdad shortly but he was barely there and he was just so annoying he would not talk to me <laughs> yeah no shouts out to Adriano <laughs> <laughs> you stay there you stay there Adriano but um yeah just the love of women has always been there so my show just it, no matter what I do it just <laughs> has feminist connotation to it well, it should <laughs> but, I, but what I appreciate it is as it's not so, for some reason, the word to some very angry parts of the internet, the word feminist is a bad thing. Yeah. And I think it's because it's, it's cool to not be a feminist. You know, like in that alternative. But it's not. Not, not like that, but you know, like amongst not. men, they're like, oh, bros, pff, I'm no, not feminist. Everyone else is a feminist. Do you remember the whole, um, for a while, they had like a meninist idea? Thing. Oh yeah, and I feel like I know many meninists. It <laughs> is Undercover so ridiculous. To me, I'm like, if you're a guy, and you are threatened by feminism in any way, shape, or form, you got to really take a long, hard look at what the fuck, for one, you think the world is and what you think the issues are and how it can affect you negatively in any way, shape, or form. I feel like people just don't know. And as, as, as you can't understand people's experiences unless you are them, you know? So people are just, they're in their basements. They've never, I think a lot of them are guys that were like super jaded, by 
like, women at one point. Like Sally in, their in life. eighth grade, like totally rejected his Valentine. Mariana in seventh grade called me ugly, and I like I didn't, hate all women now. I I, I, I was very <laughs> no, I didn't hate all women. I loved women very much. <laughs> that was the problem. <laughs> but I I love that you refer to it as feminist propaganda because the thing about the show is you are you're showing all these things women can do. Yeah. And I absolutely love that. Um, you had an episode where you you met with a drag king, which I people, love. I guess, don't know is a thing because, you know, as RuPaul and the many fabulous queens out there have brought drag into the mainstream for all of us, people forget there's another side to it. There are yeah, drag kings out there. Yeah, it's about playing up gender roles. I absolutely. Think it's about playing up gender, uh, gender like, stereotypes and it goes both ways i've never met a drag king before and it was just i i i I would assume it would be a thing you know this is my brain i'm like oh there has to be some kind of like totally play on like the masculine stereotype and it's so cool that you can just i just think it's so amazing that people don't people just put on this this like a whole different persona and that's like what gets them out of like it's just the performance it's amazing i think absolutely i wish i could I wish I could, you know, just. Hey, a few you hours did a, a you did a pretty damn good job. Like me. You look just like a buddy of mine oh, when I'm you sure. were <laughs> as a drag I'm sure. King. I look like everyone's like homie. God, you had like the <laughs> mustache. Like Brady. You had the mustache, <laughs> the trucker hat. You had like your feet up on the table, and I was just like, oh, I've hung out with him. And there was like a group of like French. Uh, very French people like, that are clearly like in an Airbnb like situation on the <laughs> roof, and we just like kind of trick them into like being it's on my show being. we they signed releases they that's knew. all you gotta get them to do <laughs> but then i was like the my producer didn't tell them anything and then i just like walked in i was like what up dude and they were like super french they did not know how to like dap up nothing they were like oh this is just the way americans are yeah this is, a, this is a crazy american trip we had here <laughs> new york is wild <laughs> oh my god i love that show Thank so you. much and again i highly recommend everybody go listen to it that's uh it, it's it's a lot of fun. So you are on the younger side. I found out. I found out you're the same age as my little brother. Twenty one. Well, he's twenty one now. He'll be twenty two in like a couple months. But yeah, right yeah. now, or I have that wrong. He might be twenty two. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> and he might everyone. be turning twenty three. You're close. You're I'm close. around there. You guys are post windows babies is the way i think about it i totally have like a dell dialogue no i know but i'm just like but i remember like windows 95 being released and my dad was so excited to get it yeah like so i grew up not knowing i got the internet around then i got the internet around when i was like 10 years old do you always remember internet being a part of the life i also got the internet at 10 years old i think um maybe a little bit younger i yeah. got we had like a desktop but then as an only child i got a laptop and that's when it all went downhill nice. i don't think my, my mom probably was very concerned about me being on my laptop for yeah. so many hours but now she's probably like oh i guess it worked out <laughs> did you have a live journal i did have a live i had a zanga Oh, I didn't have Zanga. I was really young on the internet. I had greatest journal because live journal was, I don't know, harder. (laughs) I've never heard of greatest journal. Greatest (laughs) journal was live journals knockoff. Okay. okay. And I remember I was called the orange ranger because I wanted to be a power ranger. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't an orange one. I loved Panic at the Disco so much as a kid that every username has something to do with Ryan Ross. Were you a little scene kid? One. 150 percent oh, i, I love had it. black extensions in my hair with bows when i was about 13 get out i was a huge scene kid i was hugely emo hugely hugely emo um, i went I fake went ba- faux emo i feel like i was too young to really be emo. yeah i went back and forth between i was trying to be a metal kid 
like I was really into heavy metal and I was real douchey about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way to be. <clears throat> but my best friend was like a super emo kid. So I kind of like borrowed oh, from him. And you I was kind of like. You find that one scene kid and you're like, I'm going to copy kinda, everything. Yeah, we just went back and forth. And he was using like gateway um, <laughs> emo bands to get to me. He's like, hey, man, I know you're a big metalhead. Have you heard of this band, Chiodos? Oh, I know he's emo, but like, <laughs> look at this crazy breakdown. And I'm just like, ah, oh, I guess you, you hooked me. You got it. You got it. I was more into pop punk. I was so into pop punk. And oh I was like, God. I just I just personified like a scene kid. You know, like I was just like, I had like the whole thing as a kid. My mom was very open to me, um, you know, just exploring my style. And I've always been very experimental. How hot topic based was your style? <laughs> oh, my God. Almost <laughs> entirely. Almost entirely. Yeah. I had the Bring Me the Horizon shirt. Devil oh Wears my Prada God. shirts. I saw Devil Wears Prada. I got headbutted in the face by right. Devil Wears Prada's lead singer. Oh, I believe that. He stage dove. <laughs> And hit me in the face with I his head. I feel like a lot of people like get paralyzed. They just stop stage diving. I yeah. Like who did I else? I'm trying to remember who was at that concert. I think they were opening for Kill Switch Engage, or mm. someone, uh, someone a little like Devil Wears Prada was like the hardcore band, but they were opening for a metal band. Yeah. It was like all. I was very much in like the watered down pop punk like area because I was again like a 10, 11. So I was like, all time low is great. It's poetry. <laughs> <laughs> Dashboard Confessional is poetry. Oh, my God. God you're so emotional. Death Cab for Cutie. Death Cab for Cutie. Absolutely. And what was the Postal Service was his other one. The guy from I, Death Cab, right? Would not know. I also um, had a brief Hawthorne Heights stint, which is like the most melodramatic one could be. Oh, I know. I, I avoided Hawthorne Heights. You have to because it's actually so melodramatic that you can't you can't wrap your head around it. It was hard for me to get into like true emo bands because, again, my uh, fr- my drug dealer he wasn't a drug dealer he was like a music dealer scene <laughs> friend so was like records was, was, and weed was trying to like he was trying to like get me off of uh of metal and more into that so i think the farthest emo i got was i was a huge my chemical romance i fan. was actually listening to my chemical romance when i was walking here and i was like jamming out i recently bought an electric bass for some reason nice what kind I don't know some kind of I, I went to Guitar Center with this man named Gary and I was like hey Gary um me and my friend Sid we have a world renowned band I don't really have an instrument can we just can you just get me a, a bass oh my god and then he just like hooked it up <laughs> that was when I was a kid that was the now mind you I was in high school bands and for the record if they're listening the bassists in my high school bands were great so they were like great musicians and it's different but i remember the bass was always the i want to be in a band but i don't know how to play anything we're like we'll, we'll teach you there's this. a lot of stigma against like every instrument and i literally like i, I was I, when i got my bass i went to the bar and then someone told me yeah every girlfriend of the band dude is plays the bass in the band and that i was just like so i was like i'm the lead singer of this band as well as the bassist so yeah. suck my beep what was your band called it's called sad. <laughs> it's, it's like a sad <laughs> seasonal affective disorder. Oh, that's a great name. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> it's such a fake band. Oh, it's, you can have <laughs> fake bands. I went through band <laughs> names you wouldn't believe. So yeah, this is like a completely fictional comedy band, but we take it very seriously. You have to take it seriously. <laughs> take everything you do seriously. I just need hobbies. <laughs> so what do you think as uh, being a younger person that we learned love scene? Um, do they even call them scene kids anymore? I don't think no, they do. No, they call them like alt. I think like alt it's evolved kids? into whatever fashion is now. <laughs> I think I so. swear to God, scene has evolved to whatever fashion is now. I agree. I feel like everyone I the see New York fashion was scene. an old emo kid. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So how do, do you ever, how much hate on the internet do you get, especially from your show of people being like, ugh, 
Millennials. Of course you think that way. Oh, that's like, it's, oh my God. 90% of if it. I, <laughs> anything I say, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter. I feel like I get so much, like if it's, if it's posted on Facebook, it's a dub. Like that, that's yeah. it. That's is like an explosion of whatever opinions, either about the fact that I don't wear a bra on the show or, you know. <laughs> I actually That's just got silly. a. I just yeah. did a video with Broadly, and like every comment was just like, "Why are her boobs doing that?" And I'm like, "Cause I don't own bra." You're like, "Cause they're moving." I <laughs> Cause don't they're know. just like that. They're just exactly. <laughs> so it's never like anything about you know what. A lot of the hate I I get is not so much about what I say. Although I did do like a a, a, a completely funny guide to um online dating, and like yeah. everything was like. How could she give advice if she's only ever dated people from the internet? I'm like, that was a hyperbole, first of all. Like, I have, I dated, most of the people I've dated were from the internet because I'm shy and don't yeah. leave my house. <laughs> I know, exactly. Plus, also, it's become so, like, internet yeah. dating has become so mainstream, it's ridiculous. Me and, um, I'm married, and my wife and I met just at the start of it all. So we missed that no. whole thing. But we've even had the conversation. It's this is like a little part of us. We're just kind of like, ah. Oh. I mean, I love you, but we, we could have spent just like, <laughs> I just want to, I just wish it came the year tinder. before I met you <laughs> just to see what that was. It's nothing. You're not missing out I on know. anything. I don't really do like the Tinder dating app or anything. I do like I have this one dating app that's like so pretentious and the only women that are on there are like underwear models and then the men mm, are good all, for them. all the, all the men, the only people that get, and then all the men that are on there are just like crew dudes. And I'm just like, this is just the most the funniest app I've ever seen. Nothing ever gets done on that app. Yeah. No one talks to each other. No one like even like looks at it. They're too cool to talk to each other. That's so stupid. And it's the, it's basically a waste of time. Yeah. So I online dating d- dating apps don't really work. I feel more of like a online dating approach would be nice too. I mean like you're like hey what's up like your pick. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the future of romance <laughs> i know but that's what's happening now all my friends who are like adult couples anywhere from like their early 20s to their like late 30s with the exception of like me and my wife and like one other couple they all met on the internet in yeah. one way shape or form it's so dating. mainstream i think it's good i think it cuts out a lot of uh weeds it out dan- like dancing but around it's also bullshit. so shallow i feel oh, totally I, I mean how many times the I'm, whole idea of tinder is just do i like this picture yes or no and it's like i start i start judging them by like the cinema like the, <laughs> the actual photography of their picture i'm like oh this lighting is bad no and then you're like who cares i mean so many guys that i've when I was like uh, like eighteen or something, I had like a Tinder for a while, and I would just like you know s- like be so shallow. And then I've met some guys that I've said no to on Tinder who like I fully started dating, and I'm like, this doesn't actually work. No, this doesn't exactly. actually work. Yeah, there has to be there has to be some compromise between <laughs> getting to meet people on the internet and <laughs> having to meet people. Well, in on the person. basis of like four pictures, like how can you how much can you tell about someone? You know, can't tell a thing. Can't tell a thing. I mean, you could tell. A, a vague like four idea things, of what they look like. You can think of a couple things. Like they have friends. Um, yeah. They if they're wearing a MAGA hat, you figure out a lot. You figure out a lot. Like it's like a swift note. You know, and a lot of the guys that like me that DM me are like super MAGA supporters. I think it's something about like it's almost like the whole power play thing, like the dominatrix and stuff. I think because I'm so overtly liberal, they want to like. There's like military dudes that are just like so into. Um, they're just very like you know very much like very different than me, which I very much like into like the the family dynamic and like talking about like you know conservative views and like wearing the maga hat and stuff and they're like hey they'll like tweet me something bad but then they'll dm me like hey i want to take you out sometime (laughs) i'm like absolutely not (laughs) they have like children (laughs) 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 they have like little kids and i'm like i'm 21 oh boy um so yeah that's good 
That's good that you're 21. It's a good age. <laughs> I know yeah. that's a weird thing to say. But um, but I, I think it's in our generation, we grow up way quicker than in, because we are exposed to so many things like the Internet, like pornography, like j- just people bashing us personally online. Mm-hmm. What is uh, hold on. Let me think of something to say. Don't worry. This is the cool part is that I have an editor. Mm. His name is Josh. Hey, Josh. And I talk to my editor on my show st- like through the camera almost ev- every episode. Oh, I talk to Josh every podcast when I like, lose my train of thought. And I'm just like, hey, you're going to take out this whole chunk. And I'll be like, Eduardo, could you add a little like sparkle emoji to this? <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. Maybe we'll leave this in. Who knows? <laughs> just this is t- real. Take away the magic maybe. in the world. <laughs> um, so what is one project? So being young, you have somewhat early success. I mean, you never know what the internet is. So, mm-hmm. but you've gone viral. You have these early success. What is a project? If you had a fantasy project, right? You could work on anything you want. What would that be? I actually just did a. I just directed a music video, which what? was so much fun. It was so much fun, and um, people gave me a budget to do a video, and it was so much fun. And I think. I love, I, I didn't realize how much I love being a part of the creative process because when you're a model, you kind of take, you, you kind of let go of, you kind of just let go of your, of all your instincts to just give it to these people. You know, you're like, yeah. oh, I don't like this outfit, but who cares? They're paying me. So it's like when you kind of totally. let go of that, yeah, you let go of that. And like, I, I, I forget the that I've. The amount of hip waiters I've modeled. <laughs> the amount of peplum dresses, honey. <laughs> Kitten heel, honey. Kitten heel, honey. But um, it's it, having the complete creative control and not being on the camera on yeah. camera was fantastic. It was the hardest work I've ever done in my life. Totally. The hardest work. I spent forty eight hours in the woods in Connecticut when it was the first snowfall, with a with three with four girls in the cast, um, an entire crew, and we had n- no by no means a high budget. Yeah. So and we had to we had to hike ten minutes into the woods to this like frozen gorge. Where it in was, Connecticut? Um, Greenwich is actually my what? friend who has this part. Cool. I'm from um, I'm from Connecticut. Mm. So. And I'm I love Greenwich. Connecticut. We we judge Gre- we judge Greenwich. We judge Greenwich. Okay. <laughs> because it's I like come from the not rich part of Connecticut, yeah. <laughs> so we're like mm, That's Greenwich. Right. Definitely mm. like we, they have this like beautiful like house and at the in the back. It's like miles of woods with like this yeah. like private zoo that someone owns and like i'm sure cameron can hear me <laughs> cameron talked about it but he grew up there and it's just so beautiful and there's like this zoo. gorge which is like miles of like drinking water like lake that you can <sighs> just like swim in and that's the thing people forget <laughs> about connecticut even though i judge greenwich because i was I, when you grow up in connecticut you're jealous of greenwich it's a good location <laughs> um no connecticut's awesome and no one Sound knows it's like great. there <laughs> oh yeah. I love it. So you, so to be in creative control, so would you ever go into, so you did this music video. Do you want to go into directing film in general or is it just like the music video? Proje- yeah. I feel like I told, I would, you know what I want to do? I want to direct a horror movie. And I know. Yeah. And that's going to be like in the very like far future when I learn how to do my shit. But like I'm, you know, I'm working on it. I'm like, I directed this music video. It's going to come out and then maybe I'll direct something else. Maybe I'll do something. You want to plug it? You plug the, I mean, are you allowed to say what Yeah, it it's is? coming out so cool by Dunia. Yeah. Shot on film. So everyone who's a little film nerd. Time out. Your first time directing, you're yeah. doing on did film. I, did I not tell you that it was the hardest no, <laughs> work of my life? <laughs> that's so difficult. <laughs> it was on 16 millimeter and like, it was, it was so hard and it was months of pre-production and post and then I, yeah. 
it was going crazy. It was just everything, you know, but it was so much fun. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and you're going to do it. One thing, one of the main reasons I wanted to interview you is because you're, it's a cliche term, but you're such a like tour de force of everything you do. You don't do things half ass. Thank you so which is much. What, it's true. You don't. As an anxious person, that's like the best thing someone can tell me. Thank you so much. Oh, no. No, you I don't. Constantly do, worry about you don't do anything. Oh, I do the same thing, but you don't. Everything. I remember watching your show um, and I got really intimidated to come and interview you because you were so good at interviewing people. I was no. just kind of like, what am I doing? By gonna... no means am I good at interviewing people. Oh, that's the You editing. are, though. No, it's oh. not. You're real good. Thank you. I, it took me Take a compliment. It takes a while. Thank you. Listen, as a former fat kid also, it's... I mean, it, compliments are compliments hard. Compliments are real <laughs> Harder hard. Harder than insults. <laughs> but you got to take them every now and then. <laughs> yeah, insults, you're like, you're right. I take so it. So right. Compliments, you're just like, don't look at me. Why are you saying this? <laughs> I had to learn how to interview people because the first... I, I talk so much that it's like, you can't... You know, it's like... It, it's it's when people when you only have like an hour to interview this like like dominatrix in the middle of new jersey you just <laughs> you know you have to like kind of and it's like know all these things and Ugh. it was so much fun i loved listening to people it was a lot more exhausting than i thought like listening to people all day for 12 hours yeah because just con- like actively listening to people takes so much energy out of you especially i feel like i'm very um i'm, t- I'm gonna talk a little uh a little a little spicy but i feel like i'm very like em- empathic in that way so it was just yeah. very um it was a lot and it was fun. It is. You you take on a lot of people, especially uh, like that's one of the reasons I'm doing this show is because I love learning about people. I like taking people who I'm already inspired by and like, let me find out stuff about them that I don't know that they're willing to share. See, like, people fascinate me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the coolest thing in the world. There's so many. Uh, I always said with this show is like, I want to do two things. I want to inspire people because by these people that I'm inspired by and I want to tell stories because they're, are so every person has this crazy amazing story to tell yeah and i'm reading about um i'm reading this book called the wild woman or something like that and it's about how storytelling is uh, like the ultimate lessons in life. yeah and it's it's so true it's like when you hear that you're not alone and that these people have been people have been facing the same troubles for hundreds and hundreds of years yeah and it's cool to like listen to the people i love just finding out about people that I like. I love doing that. That's like so much fun to just know how they work and yeah, how they got there and just how, what brought them to do what they do. In the last like three years, everything, all the books I've been reading have all be- slowly phased out from being like sci-fi fantasy, which I still read, but so from being like five, five, Dune I've, have to read. Oh, uh, I finally read Dune like years, years, obviously later. And uh, it was long. It was <laughs> it's pretty long. It was good. So it was real long. And then after <laughs> I finished it, my because my dad liked Dune, he was just like, you know, there's two more, and I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah, calm down. <laughs> I'm I'm glad there are two more. Maybe that'll happen in another twenty years. But no, slowly everything I have been reading, air quotes reading. My dad makes fun of me also because I don't I I have a very used audible account because oh, i listen on. to audio books it is reading, books. It is reading me. my dad's always like make sure you do the air quotes <laughs> when you say reading because you're listening but no they've all turned into biographies and personal essays it's like now all i read because i'm just like we have six billion people around us who have more interesting stories than i can ever find that are made up so why don't i take the time mm-hmm. to think, learn them i think i love fiction but i've really also just been on my non-fiction wave i've just been like dude it's just like so interesting to hear people's perspectives on life it's, yeah 
because it's such a weird thing that we're just like living this like constant motion of actions and we don't we're trying to like make sense of it and it's yeah it's a lot especially like when you i feel like i've been more in tune with um my personal side because a now i'm privileged enough to not care about money like as much like you know i'm not like you know oh my god i have to go to like work to be able to do this yeah it's more of like you know i I have a constant job it's i'm i'm comfy i and then also because it's the whole aspect of everyone just watching you and it being mm-hmm. this incredible pressure and to find meaning in life other than just being this commodity. It's it's fun. It's like it's it's been like a really cool experience. I feel like that's why I like a lot of like when you when you when you talk about like older, like really established people, they're yeah. just like so in their own personal like space. They like know about themselves a lot because you have to. It's very imagine just being like called just having your worst insecurities just flashed back at you every day yeah. and like people's having their own commentary about what you do and having this immense pressure to like do these things and like not knowing what you're doing it's hard and it's not the hardest life i mean it's a lot harder to be struggling which i completely understand and have faced i know it's just that's a different way of that's something i always have to like reality check myself um there was there's an old saying called no whining on the yacht which is like no I'll, on the because it's the same. And that's the way I feel like about my modeling career is that I'm like some days are so hard and I'm so beaten down. And then I have to stop and think I'm like, I'm not in a coal mine. I'm not Literally. in a jailer. But it's also am, good to yeah. accept that you have these issues because a lot exactly. of the guilt of feeling. I think I, I struggled with that a lot, too. In the beginning, I was like so guilty for feeling um, sad or for feeling tired. Yeah. And it's about accepting it and acknowledging that this is an incredible privilege that you have. And I think that's the coolest part is, yeah, you accept that, okay, I'm very, very privileged, but I do feel this way. These are still real valid feelings I have to deal with, but it's also good in the back of my mind to go, everything's still pretty cool. It's like down. a safety like, blanket. It's like, exactly. okay, when you're going crazy, you at least think, oh, wow, look at what I've accomplished. You know? Exactly. I think it's scarier because the future is just so... It's like daunting. It's like you don't know what's gonna happen. We're always just thinking about the future and really living in like what you're doing now and like yeah. what the steps are. It's something I have to work on too. That leads us perfectly into the last question, yeah. Barbie. There's tons of people out there that feel they're never gonna accomplish the things they want to accomplish for X, Y, and Z reasons. They could be socioeconomic. They could be based on gender, on sexuality, on size, on anything at all. They feel like they can't do it. Um, coming from a person who I know, if you're anything like me, also when they were younger, felt like nothing ever was ever going to work mm-hmm. out, what was going to happen. What What's some advice you can give to these people that feel like it's out of reach? I think knowing, I think this brings us back, back to like, you know, barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. The world is a cruel place. And the reason you're feeling this is because you're narrowing your paths into these very strict boxes. But with the internet and everything, you can do whatever you want. And I think people put a lot of pressure on like Instagram success. But in reality, it's like you just have to know yourself, know what you're battling against, have a clear vision for what you're doing and knowing that whatever makes you different is the reason why you have this drive to do so. You know, Mm -hmm. I think uh, we were talking about this before we started recording, but like I did this audition and I was like, you know, the reason I'm not going to get to this one is because I'm bigger. But at the same time, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't bigger. It all exists in the same space. You wouldn't be who you are exactly. if you didn't have those differences. I had like the exact same situation the other day. I went to a movie premiere. I was invited to be a guest. Ooh. And I'm looking around at all of these actors I recognize. And all of a sudden it clicked in my head. I'm like, I am twice 
every one of these guys size mm-hmm. and, and it does it was very discouraging even now like yeah. again no whining on the yacht i've been very successful in my career for the last couple of years but even now i'm just like i'm never gonna get what i want because of my size i think it's realizing that what we're striving for is not we're always just striving for something different because i think it's going to bring us some sort of happiness or yeah. like some sort of like safety and it doesn't it doesn't bring you any no. sort of safety it actually i feel like being different is what people want to see and i think if being you think authentic authentic and it doesn't yeah. matter where you're from because as long as you are blessed enough to have some kind of internet connection it or like you know you can do it yourself and i think the internet is such a great platform because people who are very largely marginalized or not seen in the mainstream media are have an opportunity to do it directly to people and i think i would never be anywhere if i wasn't for instagram and it's not because i'm some sort of instagram girl i got all my all my followers from the work i do which is yeah. like a lot of people are like oh he's all these followers and you started working i'm like no it's been like a slow process it's like it's the other way around it's the other way around but it, when people like what you do they're going to support you no matter what and they yeah. want to see you in things and not being discouraged by what people say is right and wrong because they all have their different opinions these people don't know what they're talking about more than you do I don't care if you're 14 years old, you know, like yeah. these people don't know that much more than you do. They no. are very stuck in their own thing and just don't bark up the wrong tree. Don't beat yourself up for going against people who are, don't believe in you. Like, just find people who like support you so wholeheartedly. And trust me, it'll, whatever happens in your journey, it'll happen for a good reason. And yeah. people will change their minds and y- newer people with different perspectives are going to be in charge, like, you know, throughout our whole lives. So it's like, it's a whole process. And, you know, don't beat yourself up for things that you n- you know are working against you. That's perfect. Barbie, thank you so much for thank talking you. to me today. Everyone, please go watch How to Behave on Verizon Go 90. Mm-hmm. In association with Vice and Broadly. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every time there. oh, there's all sorts of things. But, but seriously, it's an awesome, awesome show. We're looking out for season two with our fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. and Yeah, for cross those fingers, girl. Oh, we're, we're crossing them <laughs> because I loved the show. And I need more. Uh, follow Barbie on all of the social medias at uh, Barbie Knox. Oh, what's the what's the deal with Barbie Knox? I, I meant to ask you that earlier. So Barbie Knox is a Knox is a Harry Potter spell that um my early Instagram career I had bored Barbara and my mom followed me on Instagram and I was devastated. It's the worst thing one can happen when you're <laughs> fifteen. So um, <laughs> I just got so happy that it's a Harry Potter mm-hmm. related. So so what is the uh, spell? Lumos is to turn on the light. Nox is to turn it off. I didn't know Nox was to turn. Yeah, it. I'm real emo and goth guy. I remember. Check me out. <laughs> I remember. I remember Lumos. Yeah, Lumos and Nox is to turn it off. Oh my God! Have you been to the Harry Potter world? Oh yeah, when it first opened, I did went you to a Harry Potter convention at the same time. Did you buy a wand? Um, I didn't buy one there, but I bought it online <sighs> at the Swans shop. It was very crowded. It was the first weekend it came out. I went there and I was so. I, I I bought a wand. I got the biggest wand. No, you got a much better one than I. Mine has, I my, mine's great, but it's from them. But it has like because it, I wanted the magic to work. It has like the little like dot that you have on your like your television remote oh is like God. on the end of it. So it just like beams. And there's light. all these spells you could do around the park. But it was like six foot six, three hundred pound me. <laughs> <laughs> and a bunch of teeny little children. And I was like waiting in line behind them to make the water And squirt. you were so excited. I felt the same way. I went there for Harry Potter convention um, with my friend Hannah and my mom and her mom. And we definitely went to Harry Potter. World. 
Oh, I love I, that. I loved Harry Potter a lot. Barbie, I love that. So follow her at Barbie Knox, which means <laughs> turn off the light. Uh, is it the same on Twitter? Um, I don't have a Twitter anymore. I just have Instagram. E- even better. It's I one have place. Yeah. Why not? Just come to the one place. It's the big one mm-hmm. anyway. So follow everything she does. Watch How to Behave Barbie. Thank you so much for Thank being you, incredible. I can't wait to watch your career keep on exploding. Thank you so much. All right. I'll talk to you later. Some Harry Potter slash old emo scenester kid nostalgic journey we all just went on. Barbie Frere is awesome. Please follow her at Barbie Knox. As we learned, it's a Harry Potter reference on all of the social medias. Check out her show, How to Behave. She's absolutely amazing. And thank you guys for listening, as always. Please follow us on all of the social medias. Zach Miko, Z-H-H-M-I-K-O, on Instagram and Twitter. Facebook.com slash BigThingsPod and our website, BigThingsPod.com. If you guys could please leave us a five-star review and subscribe, we would love you so much. It's how the podcast game is played, and we want to keep on playing it. We love you all so much, and we can't wait to see you next week. Same bet. Big Monday time, same bat, big Monday place. You know, wherever you're listening. (laughs) Thank you all so much for being a part of this amazing journey with me. Now remember, go out into the world and do big things.